Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it. You're here. You're in the right place if you're ready to dial up your life. This is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. Today, we're going to hear about where Kim is with her training process. We'll hear her thorn, bud, and rose, her song selection, and then what seems to be coming up for her both physically and mentally. And we'll add two more there emotionally and spiritually through her training journey this week. By the time you hear this, she will be in week number five. Five. Meaning that she will have five weeks left till race day. So we count down. Uh, typically when we do the training plans, we start with the number of weeks away from the race and then we count down. So as we get closer and closer, we have some milestones, which is kind of fun because when we get, for example, from the double digits into single digits, it takes on a whole level, another level of realness. And now she's at five weeks, which means she only has a couple more weeks of really hard effort. And then we go into taper mode. So it's, really getting closer and closer. How are you feeling about the proximity of, of your race these days? I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to, to go give it a try. And I think as the race day approaches, the emotions get a little more intense, both the fear of it and the excitement about it. And I'm also starting to look forward a little bit to having it behind me where I can just kind of rests a little bit. So those kinds of thoughts are starting to creep in as it gets closer to like, I'll be glad when it's over kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know, well, actually I know we've talked about this, but it's, it's worth bringing it up again, not only for uh, you, but also for the listeners that the body registers fear and excitement in exactly the same way. Think about yeah. it when, you know, when you're scared, your uh, respiration goes up, your stomach might have, be filled with some of those nervous butterflies. Uh, the cognitive skills begin to get foggy. And the same thing happens when you start to get excited. So the body registers both the same exact way. The only thing that's different is how the brain then labels it, whether it's like, oh my God, I'm so scared, or oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I, and we talked about this last time I think we had our my coaching call on I was just feeling overall a little more anxious and agit like I couldn't sleep one night and just overall my my energy level seemed a little more on the excited stage I guess and I and that's both of that I think as race day gets closer they're both getting more heightened but I am at least aware that it is both fear and excitement in there it's not just one or the other 
and I kind of can understand where it's coming from. So that's good. But definitely as the race day gets closer, those those things are getting more heightened and more acute and I'm more aware of them. Yeah. And one of the things we're talking about here is arousal level. And so what you were just talking about is both fear and excitement affect the arousal level. And there are certain things that we do that require a lower level of arousal. So if you were to put that on a scale of one to 10, one is really low, like your arousal level um, at a one would be laying on the couch watching TV or maybe being in bed. And a 10 would be so high that, that you're ready to jump out of your skin. That might be an arousal level of something that's requiring significant focus on safety or jumping out of a plane, something like that. And so right now in your training modality, we want you around, again, depending on what you're doing, but probably ranging between a four and a seven. And anything that goes above that would actually be impeding your focus and would keep you probably, again, from sleeping and digesting well. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that as we keep building your roadmap for race day. But for right now, while you're in your training phase, I, I love what you said that you are so aware of your fear and your excitement. Those both are affecting the arousal level. What are some of the things that you do when you notice your arousal level is too high? And for example, you might not be able to sleep or you might find yourself agitated, irritated throughout the day. What are some of the things that you do to help bring that down? The biggest thing is I take some deep breaths. Uh, one of the ways that I know that I'm kind of in that aroused state or in that, for lack of a better term, kind of tense and, and hyper acute um, is I notice that my facial muscles are all clenched and tight. And uh -huh jaw and I you know and so when I notice that I first focus on relaxing the muscles in my face and then I take several really deep breaths um, which kind of help slow the heart rate down and kind of relax me a little bit and then I had we talked earlier about me doing some uh, a yoga nidra practice for help and sleep and I kind of gotten away from that a little bit in the last couple of weeks due to schedule and time constraints and we talked about adding that back in so you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be yoga nidra, but just even five minutes of deep breathing and quieting the mind with a little meditation or something kind of helps reset the system. And so doing some things in the moment when I notice it, but then also doing some proactive things to kind of keep it from escalating or happening again. So some daily meditation and some deep breathing here and there. Yeah. Have you noticed an effect on your training? incorporating those into your day-to-day -day practice. Have you noticed if that has affected your training at all? I don't know that I notice a big difference in my training. I mean, I tend to obviously be a little more uh, in an arousal state when I'm out training, especially out riding your bike, because not only are you focused on training, but you're also then focused on safety, <laughs> that whole thing with cars and paying attention to what you're doing. So uh, in terms of, of that, no, I haven't really noticed a huge difference. I think in, if, as far as performance goes, I don't know that I notice a huge difference there either, but, but it may, it, it helps with mindset just a little bit to be a little more relaxed and focused on the, the effort and what I'm doing and less on the, on the, again, on the outcome kind of when I start thinking about 
the outcome of how I'm performing or whatever, I tend to get a little more agitated. So it helps mitigate that just a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. So this is, this is how we're able to really fold together your day-to-day -day practice with your training. And oftentimes we forget that the two absolutely have an effect on one another. Yeah, I think at this point, I, I'd safe to say that the training in, in the Ironman is affecting my life outside of training far more than my life outside of training is affecting my training. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Yeah, tell us, how is, what do you mean? Tell us more. Well, just the, the again, the, the um, excited state as, as it gets closer, kind of keeping me in more of an aroused, excited state outside of training, you know, doing things that might require a little more relaxed uh outlook i guess um so i think i i think that's translating over i'm not coming down from the training as well to do real life things than i am having trouble separating real life things to get ready for training but all in all i think i'm doing a pretty good job of balancing both i'm i'm pretty happy with that and Last week, we talked about some challenges of scheduling and things come up outside of training. And certainly right after we had that, that right after we taped that podcast, things with my mom escalated a little bit. And so I really had issues all week long of outside of life, but I have really been able to separate it and get back into training and focus on that and then do life stuff outside of it. So um, I think bringing regular life stuff into training, I'm able to balance that much better than bringing the excitement of Iron Man into my regular life. How is your mom doing? She's doing good. Uh, she is actually being sent home from the hospital today to a rehab center. And, uh, you know, she fractured her back was what prompted her trip to the hospital. And then while she was there, she had some heart issues. And uh, so they've kind of got that sailed down and she had a pacemaker put in on Monday and she's coming home to rehab today so she's doing better but it certainly made for a challenging weekend i had a really long training weekend uh, all weekend and trying to balance that with giving my mom some attention and and everything was was challenging but i got through both of it and and i've come out the other side and everything's kind of worked out so that's all good what is your mom's name diana Diana. Okay, everybody can give a big shout out to Diana, a, a big uh, uh, recovery mojo or prayer, whatever seems to speak to you the most. We'll give her a big shout out and she may have a miraculous healing. Yeah, let's hope. And she's got a little bit of a road in front of her to try to recover from this back fracture and get back to her baseline level of activity. Um, but yeah, she does well with that. Wow, she's really lucky to have you with your medical background be able to be right there in her back pocket. Yeah, I felt like I needed to be there for some things just because of that, to kind of be her advocate. And so balancing spending time up there and doing what I needed to do for her and staying focused on my training was the, was the, the exercise this weekend, and I managed to do both. So I'm pretty happy. You did have a big workout weekend. Tell our listeners what your plan was and how it went for you. Yeah, it was a big weekend. Friday, 
I did a swim and it was the race distance swim. It was the first time I've swam that distance continuously. I've done the distance before broken up into segments of different sets, but Friday was a 4,300 yard swim continuously in the pool, which is almost double what I've done in the past as far as a continuous swim. So it was a big challenge. Added to that challenge, I was supposed to send my, my time to my coach and about halfway through the swim, I noticed that my Garmin, my counter and timer was not working properly. So I had to kind of uh, wing it a little bit. And so that was an exercise in frustration and overcoming and I managed to get through that pretty well. And then Saturday was a, a long bike ride. It was supposed to be a century. I ended up doing 95 miles. Uh, I cut a, a few short, but um, so I got out and I did a long bike ride on Saturday. And then Sunday I got up and did uh, a half marathon here in Wichita, a sponsored, it's called the Prairie Fire Series uh, race Sunday morning. So a full race distance swim Friday, a 95 mile bike on Saturday and a half marathon on Sunday. Wow. Uh, so it was my biggest training weekend I've had. And, and you had to deal with some adversity because we wanted your swim to be in open water, but weather was not cooperating again. Right. And you had to just switch gears and go, all right, this is, I'm going to deal with what's given to me, which isn't always easy to do. Like, it's not uncommon for grown people to throw two-year-old temper tantrums and stump their feet. And I've seen it happen, like, Rah! like throw, throw up a great big, huge hissy fit and then try to get into the pool and try to swim with that kind of energy is really, really difficult. How did you manage that, that shift? Well, I just kind of let it go, really. I mean, I think for me, managing a shift when things go wrong is to one, let go of the fact that they went wrong instead of feeling sorry for myself that things weren't going like they should. And then basically just kind of calmly entering problem solving mode. Like, okay, what next? What do I do now? And, you know, with the swim, yes, the weather was uncooperative and, and I went and did it in the pool and swimming 4,300 yards in a pool where you're turning every 25 is very monotonous, <laughs> kind of kind of get to you. And then when my Garmin kind of crapped out and I had no idea how far I'd even gone because I wasn't counting laps in my head, that was another opportunity to kind of melt down and say, you know, screw it and it's just not my day. But I shifted into problem solving mode then like, okay, what do I do now? Okay, well, it will take me probably this amount of time to do the race is what I'm anticipating based on my split times. This is about how long it's going to take me. So I'm just going to swim for that length of time. And so, you know, once you enter problem solving mode, you come up with something else and you just go back to it. But I think the biggest thing is just letting go of, of the fact that things went sideways and shifting into problem solving mode. You know, then on Saturday, the, speaking of weather, it was definitely, it's definitely turning colder here in Wichita and it was about 36 degrees. Saturday morning when I started on my bike. And again, it's problem solving mode because I don't typically ride in cold. And so trying to find gear to keep warm, uh, you know, like, well, I could ride on the trainer. I could do this, but you know what? I'm just going to make do and I want to go outside. I'm going to make it happen. So just shifting into problem solving mode, I guess. Yeah. Which is the opposite of playing victim. Yeah. Yeah which so many of us can get into like, oh, why me? And the weather is always bad for me. And this always happens to me. You know, that puts us in a place of, of disempowerment 
and and what you talked about going into problem solving great place of empowerment that is a learned trait because so much of the behavior around us is victimhood and and so we get really used to getting into that kind of mindset and the other mindset that is so empowering is okay well this is what happened now i can use my cognitive skills because you're such a smart woman like i'm going to use the smarts that i have and put it into problem solving. Yeah. I have a phrase that I use a lot more these days and I just say, it is what it is. And you know, that whole letting go of things you can't change. I can't change the weather. Nope. So just let it go. Yep. You know, we say on, on race day, prepare for the worst and expect the best. I've had a lot of experience with the worst. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience. Yeah, you've had a lot of weather challenges this year. But oh, you haven't I, had any like flat tires or you know accidents. So so it could be worse. It could be, and I'm very thankful for that. Yes. It, you know, you bring up the flat tire issue, but I I did change my wheel system to tubeless this year, with the specific intent of trying to limit flat tires. Uh, just because of saving time, you know, in the race, the, the less risk I have a flat tire, the better off I am. Right. And actually that's one of the knocks on this bike course in Arizona is people do get flats a lot because of the needles or something from, I don't know, it, apparently it's an issue. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I put into problem solving mode before the problem happened. Yeah. 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 That's, that's smart. So speaking of, what would you say your current thorn, bud, and rose are? My current thorn, thorn, bud, and rose. I think my thorn this week, kind of going back to what we just discussed, my thorn this week is really kind of managing the heightened emotions that are coming with the race getting so close and being relaxed when I need to be relaxed and being focused when I need to be focused and not blurring the lines between the two and not being so hyper aroused that I'm not sleeping. And, you know, so really being attentive to that uh, is probably my thorn right now is just dealing with the, the increasing emotions around the race coming so soon. And my bud I kind of go back and forth from week to week where my butt is either something way far away or my butt is something, you know, I just want to rest day. But I think this week, as I've been thinking, my butt really is, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to race weekend, to getting there and kind of enjoying the experience and just taking it in and, and celebrating the weekend with friends and family that are coming and the, the specific moment that I'm looking forward to is race morning, you know, standing there before I get in the water and kind of like, okay, this is it. It's all behind me. It's just one thing left to do. So. And the rose? And the rose. This week I've, I've been thinking, and this week I'm really celebrating uh, the fact that I'm healthy and I'm five weeks out. I've been training in earnest for quite a while. And my, one of my main concerns going into this was, could I stay healthy? And quite honestly, I was a little skeptical of being able to with all of my injuries and history in the past. And 
I am five weeks out and I feel really good. I mean, yes, I have aches and pains and I've got, you know, some nagging things that, that come up, but I've been able to manage them really well. And I've got nothing going on that's really limiting what I do when I train. And I've, you know, stayed healthy, not had any kind of major illness that slowed me down. And so I'm celebrating being healthy. That's really huge because that is a limiting factor for a lot of Ironman athletes is having to manage through injuries that sideline them. You know, I had a three-week sideline with some saddle sore issues. I literally could not sit on the bike. And I had months a couple months sidelined with a torn ligaments in my ankle and figuring out uh, how to keep going forward both physically to keep yourself in shape then also managing the gremlins that come up in your mind at the same time can be really really challenging you've done such a great job of not having to deal with both of them so kudos to you for doing all those things that are self-care your nutrition you said has been really spot on, very anti-inflammatory. You've been getting body work every week, a couple of sessions, maybe even a week on occasion. Yeah. You've been really good at doing your stretching and your foam rolling and uh, the work that you put prior to coming on with me really set you up well with a super strong foundation. All of those things are worth celebrating. I am I'm curious too, if you can share with us the latest of, uh, your weight loss, where you are now compared to uh, when you did Maryland and compared to where you were a year ago when you started this journey? Gosh, okay. Well, a year ago when I started this journey, I don't actually remember exactly where I was at. I know when I first started working with you, I'll go back three or four years ago, I lost a lot of weight at the beginning and I lost almost a hundred pounds, kind of not right away, but over the first year or so. And then really I kind of plateaued and I really hadn't lost a whole lot of weight since. And, you know, even a year ago, I was still kind of in that, I'm not losing weight. And even in that mindset, going back to you are what you think, uh, you know, I kept telling myself, I can't lose any more weight. Of course you're not. And I went to Maryland. I weighed about 287 when I raced Maryland, give or take a few pounds. I don't know exactly. I didn't weigh right before the, the race, but around 287 and I remember sitting at the finish line in in Maryland thinking about Arizona and how I had just done and realizing that I needed to kind of double down my commitment to make this happen based on my performance there and the first thing that I made a commitment to is I'm going to lose a little more weight and and really it was about you know, being lighter and leaner in athletic performance really than it was concerned with appearance or anything that I became really focused on it again. And so I came home, I hired a nutritionist and really worked on it. And when I, I think our first podcast, you know, was a couple of months after that was what, seven or eight weeks ago, you asked me how much I weighed and it was around 274. So at the time we started the podcast, I'd lost about 11 pounds and I'm currently at about 264. So overall it's about 20 to 25 pounds of weight loss since June. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of. Yeah. That's awesome. From the very beginning, all those years ago, 
I think we're, we're estimating that you started around 370. Yeah, it was definitely over 360, probably closer to 370. Uh -huh. I didn't weigh right away, so I'm just guessing. And then dropped 100, so got down to 260, mm -hmm. and then added some back on, okay. with some life things that were happening, time, emotional eating, so forth, and Kansas winters, right? Yeah. And then did Maryland half Ironman at 287 and have, and that was in June, yes, and you since then lost another 20 pounds. Yeah, over around about 23. 23 pounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Congratulations. So you're almost back down to that minus 100. Yeah. And if you keep going on this route, chances are pretty good we might see a sub 260. That's my goal. I would love to race Arizona in the 250s, but I'm not going to, I'm not really fixated on that. And I'm getting into really, my focus needs to be more on performance and less on weight loss. Uh, but if I could, if I could race in the 250s, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You mentioned something to me the other day about how your attention has shifted from the number on the scale to something else. What was that something else? Uh, I am more focused on just feeling good and feeling light and lean and being fit and less focused on the actual number on the scale. And I will say that my body has changed quite a bit since June as well. And I do feel a lot fitter and leaner um, and stronger than I did in June. And I would say that those effects are even more noticeable than the number on the scale. I mean, they go hand in hand a little bit, but I think the change in my body would suggest an even greater weight loss, which is nice. And, you know, I, I'm, the number is nice because with gravity, the lighter, the lighter you are, the better off you are. I mean, people spend lots of money to save ounces on their bike frame. So when you're talking about 20 pounds, um, that's big, but the overall focus really has been just being more fit and more lean. And I've certainly accomplished that. Yeah, you absolutely have. And the pictures that, that you have from Sunday's half marathon show a dramatic difference from a couple months ago. So yay, congratulations. That's, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that's so great. So, so, so good. So speaking about excitement, has it always been easy for you to feel excitement or has that, I know we talked earlier about um, the arousal levels and fear and excitement, but now I'm talking more about like, you know, feeling giddy and excited about things in life. I've experienced a difference or a change in you over the last couple of years in your ability to feel joy. Tell us about that, how you are now compared to before and how you've experienced that shift? Well, I think the center of that really goes back to the whole self-love versus self-hate thing and how you view things. And so three or four years ago, I would have said, well, yeah, I've lost 20 pounds, but I'm still overweight. And now I say, wow, I've lost 20 pounds. That's really great. 
So it's just really a shift in how you see and view things that happen around you or with you or to you or from you or whatever. It's how you view it, whether it's a self-hate or self-love lens. That's the biggest shift, really. And so it allows me to celebrate more little things as victories, as look what I did, instead of punishing myself because what I did wasn't good enough. And, and now, yes, I still strive to do better. I still strive to be better. I still like to lose a little more weight. I still have goals I want to accomplish, but I'm, I'm better able to look at the little things I do along the way and be really happy with them and celebrate them and, the, you know, and, and get joy from that instead of looking at what I haven't done yeah. or why I'm not good enough or, or anything like that. It reminds me of being in the moment. We've talked about this on a couple of the, the podcasts already, but the power of allowing ourselves to be totally present in the moment can be so exciting in and of itself. And it is where peace resides. When you allow yourself to be in the celebration of, man, I just lost 20 pounds in the last couple of months. Doesn't this freaking rock? And it doesn't come with a statement afterward that says, but I still have a lot more to go. Like the moment you say, but I still have a lot more to go, it erases everything that happened before it. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely able to be in the moment a lot more too. You know, I noticed that, especially with the training uh, for Ironman, because oftentimes I would sit around and think, oh my gosh, I have a long training weekend coming up. And I would sit and be anxious about it and dread it all week long. And it would kind of take away any joy I would have in the moment during my week. First of all, all of that anticipation and dread did, did not one thing to change what my weekend was going to be. So now I'm able to kind of let things come as they are and not worry too much about what my weekend is and just kind of be more in my day and in my moment. That kind of frees you up to have more room for for positive emotion about what's going on at the time. So yeah, so living in the moment's definitely a big key in that too. It reminds me a, a bit about a uh, reading out of a book that you shared with me this week. I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm still reading from the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown that we talked about, uh, I read from before, risking being vulnerable and disappointed. And so I have been reading a little more in it and it talks about, you know, the courage of that. And so I'll read from, I'll read a little passage there too. This is from Brene Brown. I also see courage in myself when I'm willing to risk being vulnerable and disappointed. For many years, if I really wanted something to happen, an invitation to speak at a special conference, a promotion, a radio interview, I pretended that it didn't matter that much. If a friend or colleague would ask, are you excited about that television interview? I'd shrug it off and say, I'm not sure. It's not that big of a deal. Of course, in reality, I was praying that it would happen. It's only been in the last few years that I've learned that playing down the exciting stuff doesn't take the pain away when it doesn't happen. It does, however, minimize the joy when it does. It also creates a lot of isolation. Once you've diminished the importance of something your friends are not likely to call and say, I'm sorry that didn't work out. I know you were excited about it. Now, when someone asks me about a potential opportunity that I'm excited about, I am more likely to practice courage and say, I'm so excited about the possibility. I'm trying to stay realistic, but I really hope it happens. And that pretty much describes my shift too, in terms of how I would deal with 
letting people know that I really want to do this iron and doing this podcast and, and admitting that it's something I really want. That's a big shift for me as well. What would you say the benefits have been or will be by making that shift? Well, the, the biggest benefit really is the isolation part of it is big for me. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing this with friends and family. And obviously I'm excited about sharing it with everyone. And I'm doing this podcast. So the, the connection that I get of sharing this journey with people and yes, it will feel great if I do finish, but the idea of, okay, I just crossed the finish line and I have all these people here to support me and taking that in and, and allowing that that's huge. And for me being, being connected in that way was a big part of my journey. And so sharing it is allowing me to tap into that. It's also teaching me that to really put yourself out there and experience the really good stuff, you know, the, the bad stuff comes with it. You can't just isolate one over the other and allowing myself that risk of disappointment. And if I am disappointed, then allowing the support from the friends and family that are there to support me there too. And so really for me, I think the biggest advantage is the connection and feeling support. It's really profound. It's profound because the number one human need, other than breathing <laughs> and food, I said, and water. So maybe the number four human need <laughs> is connection. I am surprised and amazed how when I'm working with clients, when we go through their initial assessment, almost every single one of them will say that they're lacking in connection. And I keep thinking all these amazing, great people feeling as though they're not connected enough with other people. and. I need to help them get connected with each other because then they're going to be even greater because they're creating these connections. But the reason I bring this up is simply because feeling not connected is you in isolation. There are a lot of humans that experience that same feeling, that same discomfort. I think it's very pervasive in our society and even more so now with all the social media, I think we're more plugged in than ever, but the least connected than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up when you first do the client and, and connection is one of their areas of, of lack. I remember when I first worked with you and we did the wheel of life and all of the different areas of where I was satisfied and dissatisfied. I think if I remember correctly, relationships were a fairly high score for me at the time. And what I've discovered was those were all fairly superficial. They weren't genuine connection. They were friends and acquaintances. And I, I didn't even know what I was missing there. And then as I started kind of changing into who I am now, a lot of those connect, I'll, I'll use the term loosely, connections have kind of fallen away because they weren't genuine connections. They were just very superficial and very fake in terms of who I was pretending to be. And so I kind of went through a period in the middle where I really decided that connection is something I genuinely wanted, but that I genuinely didn't have. And so it took me a while to realize it. And then there was a period where I felt really lonely uh, because my old acquaintances were kind of falling away because they weren't genuine. 
and I want a genuine connection. But I really hadn't evolved into who I am to really build the people I'm connected with now in a genuine way. And so I kind of felt more alone kind of partway through my journey than I did at the beginning, uh, which is different than some of the people that, you know, you talk about that come in and say they don't have connection right away. It's, it was an evolution for me. Yeah. Now I feel more connected than ever, but it's genuine connection and not just kind of superficial fake connection. Yeah. I'm curious if you are aware of where that change happened. Did that happen from the inside out or the outside in? Well, initially, the change happened from the inside out. I mean, I was evolving and changing, realizing I wanted to be more authentic and and really discover who I was. Because honestly, I'd spent so long not being who I really was that I didn't even know who that was. And so there was a lot of internal work to kind of discover myself. So initially, it was inside out. And then towards the end, as I started developing what, what my connections I wanted, what I wanted in my life, then it was kind of from the outside in. Because as I decided what I wanted, then those things kind of showed up. It was both. But initially, it was a lot of internal work to kind of really decide, who am I and what do I want? And it took a while to figure that out. And then once you figure that out, then the external stuff comes in as what for what you need. Yeah. As you're moving forward, we're going to bridge this content into your training. What kind of support would you like to have now in these final five weeks leading up to the race? And then what kind of support would be most profound for you on race weekend? The support that I need now, one, I need you know, people to help train with just to kind of uh, make it a little less isolating for the long training rides and and runs. And so I'm, you know, I have a group of people that I can pull from to try to do that and, you know, support just an encouragement in continuing to, you know, let me know, Hey, you're doing a great job or we're watching you or just words of encouragement are always welcome. You know, the, the interesting thing is what can people do to support me? And I, been able to identify that and I actually have those things in place the more the merrier but I've got them now because you know in the past I wouldn't know what is it I need or if I knew what I needed I would be afraid to ask people and so I would do with that and so that's yeah I remember a time when we were coaching and I would I'd be like so so what is it that you want and there would be a very very long period of silence Uh right you know because that we it got shut off for so long. You really didn't even know what you wanted or needed. Right. And, and that has shifted tremendously now. And, and I'll tell you what, the best way to get what you want and what you need, which aren't necessarily the same thing, by the way, everybody, the best way to get that is to know what it is so that you can ask for it, you can state it both to yourself and to others. Clearly doing that now. Yeah. So just more of, what I've got, you know, the more the merrier. But uh, as far as race weekend, again, just, you know, emotional support and, and comments of encouragement. And on race day, I was thinking about this this week, and, and I've done just about everything that I can to set myself up for success for race weekend, whether it happens or not, I've done what I can. And the big part of that is 
you know, we talked about the fuel that the support on the course provides and that I have enough people going that really with a short, with a looped course, there'll be an ample opportunity to see people along the way that I know that can get encouraging words from. And so for race weekend, for me, a big part of it is just to have friendly faces out along the course strategically placed so that, you know, I, I don't, I don't have long periods of desolation where it's like, you know, some of the bike courses where you're out riding 40 or 50 miles before you may see a friendly face. And I'll have a lot more opportunity to see that along the course. And so, you know, that'll be one of the things that I ask for is really on race day to kind of spread out, make yourself seen and visible as often as possible. And I think that will help pull me through. Awesome. So listeners, this is a wide open invitation for you to join us on Sunday, November 24 in Phoenix slash Tempe, Arizona for Kim's Ironman. I don't care if you have met her before or you haven't met her and you just want to be there and be a part of the party. We want you there. So come join us. If you want more information about that, go to Kim's Facebook page specific to her training, which is Kim T's Ironman training. And you'll be able to be in the loop with all of the details about that race day. If you can't be there in person, uh, feel free to provide emotional support and encouraging words on her page. She's going to just be able to soak that up in every cell of her body. And it's going to be turned into jet fuel for her on that day. So thank you for being a part of all of that, all of that support. Kim, as we are wrapping up today, what would you say your song is that best supports the podcast at this time? Or your journey, really, it's about your journey. What's the song that's supporting your journey? The song that is supporting my journey. Well, we talked earlier about theme song you mentioned that I lived with your theme song one year when you did your race and I said I don't really have a theme song and you you told me that it would come eventually so I guess what I'll say today my song will be as what I've kind of settled on as my theme song for my race and that supports my journey and it's by Shine Down and it's called Brilliant the lyrics in there just stuck with me when I was thinking about the race and it just came to me that this is my song and and it, it says, let me clear my throat, let me take a breath, let my heart bleed out till there's nothing left. Uh, it's my day to be brilliant. Mm. So, you know, when I, I talked about my bud that morning standing, you know, in my wet seat right before the race starts and looking at you and saying, okay, I've done everything. It's just one thing left to do. It's my day to be brilliant. Love it. So as we go out right now, let's hear the song by Shine Down. Brilliant. Count it down from ten to one, faster than a firefly, calling out to everyone, are you dead or alive? Quicker than the curious, and brighter than a meteor, never knowing who to trust can make me insecure. Let me clear my throat, let me Catch my breath, let my heart bleed out till there's nothing left. It's my 
Until next time. Listener, if you access the podcast today from my website at jillmsummers.com, be sure to add your name and email on the right-hand side of the page so you are automatically notified of the next podcast. It's time to sign off for now. Thank you so much for being here and listening, being a part of Kim's fantastic journey. 
Have a wonderful week and remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life. Keep moving to live and living to move. Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.